So for the last uh, five weeks or four weeks, this is the fifth week of this series, uh, we've been asking the question, what do we believe? And we've been studying the Apostles' Creed. I've been trying to really drill into all of us the value of understanding what a creed is. So I'm going to give you another test today. Are you ready? So I, I need some help. I need some help now. So uh, the purpose of a creed has threefold, D to the third power. The first D stands for define. It defines what we believe. If we don't define what it is that we believe, then we can have all these other things come in and influence the way that we live our lives, the way we think. We need to define. And the reason we need to define it is because then we can use that definition and then be able to, second D is, oh, we need to work a little bit harder at this. Defend. Say it with me. Thank you. Uh, because there's so much false teaching in the world in which you and I live uh, that we need to be able to have the defined faith and then to de defend our faith with the truth. And then from there, we also do the third D, which is, and we declare to others what it is that we believe. That's the purpose for the creed. That's why we've been studying the Apostles' Creed. So here's what we believe according to the Apostles' Creed. We've looked at four components. The first component is this. We believe in Jesus Christ. We believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and the Savior of the world. We believe in the Holy Spirit. We believe the Holy Spirit is the paraclete, the advocate that we have with the Father, who is constantly present with us every single step, every single breath that we take. Then we said we believe in the forgiveness of sins. Amen to that? Woof. That goodness that God says that he wants to forgive my screw-ups and yours. And that's a good news. And then the fourth is this. I believe in the life everlasting. I believe that when I take my last breath on earth, I'm going to take my first breath in heaven. I don't understand all of that. There's a mystery of faith that, does, that means I will never completely understand it, but I believe it. That I believe that according to John 14 that there's a mansion, there's a room prepared for me in heaven. And it better have a really good golf course on it. <laughs> so that's, that's, that's my hope. That's my hope. Rod, you can hope that, and that I will always shoot under par. <laughs> no, actually, I'm going to shoot 18. <laughs> Just checking with you. So, so this, is what we, this is what we believe. This is what we say we believe. Now, here's the question I want to ask you that moves us from what we believe. You might want to write this down. What do I do with what I believe? What do I do with what I believe? So let me take you to our passage of Scripture that we're going to be using this morning, Matthew chapter 4. I'll be looking at verses 18 through 22. And if you look at this passage of Scripture uh, just a, an overview of it, you'll notice that it is an invitation. It is an invitation that Jesus gives to four of the first disciples. He's walking along the shoreline, and he sees Simon and his brother Andrew, and he says, hey, come and follow me. And then what we pick up is that he goes along a little bit further, and he sees James and John, and they're fishing, fixing their nets, and he says, hey, come and follow me. This scripture is about an invitation, and it helps us to 
define or better understand what it is that we're supposed to do with our faith. So we all know about invitations, right? You know about invitations? How many of you have received an invitation to the new Whole Food store that's going on down in Daniels? I have. I've gotten numbers of them. Uh, how, many of them how many of you have gotten, this is better yet, uh, the invitation to go to the Mellow Mushroom Pizza? Have you gotten, did you get that invitation? I'm glad because that means you won't be there. Uh, so easier for me to get in. Uh, so the, the reality is we're invited to stores opening. We're invited to marriages, right? We get an invitation. You are cordially invited to attend the wedding of. Or, or, you, or you get this invitation uh, to a reunion. I know that some of you have just gotten back from a class reunion, high school reunion, college reunion. Or what about a family reunion? It's, it's something about being invited. So here's what I want you to do now. I want you to have ears to hear the invitation that Jesus has for you in the reading of the Scripture. Because it's a specific invitation, just as it was for Andrew, James, Peter, and John, it's for you as well. So if you're looking at your Bibles that you brought with you this morning, so if you have an electronic Bible, I understand that you're carrying that a lot. Uh, but I, I really want to say to you that the best way for you to dust your Bible is to take it off of the bookshelf on Sunday mornings and carry it to church. This is what you do, right? And so when I come, so when I come visit you, your Bible will look nice and clean. It's a nice thing. You know what? I, I hear sometimes uh, that we don't want to be like Baptists. Well, this way I do want to be like Baptists. I want you to bring a Bible to church. How about that? Matthew 4.18, I'll get off my kick. Now, before I do that, I want to tell you something about the, the preface to this uh, scripture. So uh, let me just give you, show you this map. What we know is uh, this happens at the very early part of the story of Jesus. We know that Jesus was born, was uh, Mary and Joseph, the parents of Jesus. They were somewhere up here in the Nazareth area, which is about 15 miles to the east of the Sea of Galilee, and that they had to go from Nazareth down about 72 miles to this little town called Bethlehem to where Jesus was born. And that probably took them about uh, five, six, seven days to do that. And then uh, they were there for a short period of time. not sure exactly how long they were there. But then uh, Herod wanted to kill all the baby boys. And so they, they fled from Bethlehem and way off the map, 450-something miles uh, from uh, Bethlehem all the way down to somewhere around what we now know to be Cairo, Egypt. So they were way down there. And they were down there for about, oh, oh, let me see, about two, three, maybe four years. And then they decided to go back from all the way down here, all the way back up, and they made their way all the way back up here to Nazareth, which is about 550 miles, about 55 days of traveling. And uh, so then they spent time there. So what we know is that Jesus lived in Nazareth uh, for, oh, 28 years before he started his public ministry. And then when he started his public ministry, he started to... Uh, to begin to hear the voice of God calling his life into ministry. And so Jesus went down to where he, know, he knew John the Baptist was going to be. And that is, so he traveled from Nazareth, probably over this way, down the River Jordan, down here to what we call the, the New Testament city of Jericho. And probably right down in here, uh, John the Baptist was doing his teaching. And at that point, Jesus was baptized just about five or six miles north of the Dead Sea. 
And then from, uh, from there, after he was baptized, Jesus went into the Judean wilderness, which is in this area here, which is like a desert, just barren land. And there he spent 40 days just um, uh, fasting and, and not eating at all. And then the devil, after those 40 days, the devil came and tempted him. And uh, Jesus says, get away from me, Satan. And so Satan left him, and Jesus made his way back uh, after that from this Dead Sea or the uh, Judean wilderness, back up maybe along the River Jordan again. This time, though, instead of going back to Nazareth, he goes up here to the Sea of Galilee on this side, and right here is the city of Tiberias, where uh, this region here is where Jesus uh, would have been doing his ministry. And it's right at that point that we pick up on the Scripture. So as he walked by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me, and I will make, and I will make you fish for people. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. And he went from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, in the boat with their father Zebedee mending their nets, and he called them immediately. And immediately they left the boat and their father, and they followed him. My friends, this is the word of God for the people of God. So last week, uh, Robert shared with you that we had 79 days until Christmas. Uh, you have 72 days right now. Uh, and so, uh, uh, Robert, wherever you are, I think you're in the tech booth, Thank you so very much, my friend, for reminding me of that. Uh, but he, here's what happened. Uh, because he reminded me that we have 72 days before Christmas, we can't even celebrate Halloween and getting all the candy. We can't even celebrate Thanksgiving because we're going to be celebrating Christmas from now until after Christmas, right? I, I, I just don't get me going. So we, we will um, celebrate Christmas. So I, I, last Sunday afternoon, I went home and I started thinking, you know what, I've got to be thinking about what special gift can I buy my wife Karen? And, and so I'm thinking, whew, I better start thinking about it now because I want to make sure it's something special because I don't want to be a jerk this Christmas. <laughs> That's reality. Um, and, and so I'm, I'm thinking, I'm thinking, thinking. So finally I was going through all those magazines, magazines from different companies, you know? You know what they are? They're simply invitations, right? So Karen's favorite store, Talbot's clothing store, and so I thought, you know what, I'd, I'd go through here and I'd look at all the clothing, how nice. But you know what, I'm not really good at seeing it. I've got to be able to feel it. And... So yesterday, Karen and I went to a women's clothing store. And I will tell you this. I am really uncomfortable in women's clothing stores. <laughs> yeah, it, that, that, when I see some things I really don't care to see, I just... I don't need to see all that. And, and so, so, so I'm, I'm thinking Karen is shopping. Karen's very happy because she needs to buy something before we go on this trip coming up. And so we were, go, we're going in there. So why do I share that with you? Because many of you in this room right now are as uncomfortable here in the sanctuary as I am in women's clothing store. That's true. Uh, some of you are here because someone invited you to be here. You didn't know how to say no to them, and so you're here, and you're feeling uncomfortable because you don't know these songs we just finished singing, and you don't know 
uh, the prayers that we've said, you don't know, you know, this issue about the LGBTQ plus community and all that discussion, and you're being, you know, I'm here, but, but you're here. And I'm so grateful that you're here. And I understand about feeling uncomfortable. Because even those of you who have been in church for a while, you still feel uncomfortable on Sunday mornings. And so w what we're going to be doing here is we're just, we just want you to say, I'm just going to come and take a peek at what church is all about. And I'm really glad you're here. Now, others of you have been on this uh, journey we call a pilgrimage of faith. And you've been, you've been on that for a while. And, and all of a sudden, you're, you're here and you're thinking, man, I really want to grow. I, I'm tired of sitting in the same place where I was uh, for all these years. And I'm going to give you one simple thing to do that will help you grow. You're going to laugh at this, I think. Uh, and that is, some of you have been, your backsides have been glued to the same seat that you are sitting in for the last 50 years. So some of you are so comfortable that it doesn't make any difference what the heck anybody says up here. You're just, you're thinking, I'm comfortable. You all aren't laughing. <laughs> so here's what I want you to do. I want you next week to come in, and I want you to surprise me because I keep attendance because I know where you all sit. <laughs> and just surprise me. How about that? So, but you're here because you want to check it out. You're here because you want to grow. So here's what we're going to try to do. We're going to try to understand this invitation that Jesus has for us today. So here, here's what I want you to understand. This passage of Scripture came alive in me once again this past February. I had the privilege of taking the Bethune-Cookman University Chorale to Israel. And this is them here. And um, on the morning that we went out on the Sea of Galilee, uh, up there again, way, way north Israel, uh, it was a beautiful day. It was about 7.30 in the morning. The mist off the, off the, off the lake was just coming up. It was just fresh, and it, it was just cool, and I tell you, it was just beautiful. And, and what happened in that moment was we, we were sailing along from, from about Tiberias up to Capernaum, which is in the north part, and all of a sudden I look over, and I see a picture just like this scene here. It was just like this modern-day fisherman fishing along the side of the Sea of Galilee. And I'm thinking to myself, that's exactly what happened on the day so long ago, 2,000 years ago, when Jesus was walking along the Sea of Galilee, and he sees Simon, and he sees Andrew, and he says, hey, drop your fishing nets and go, and I'm going to make you fishers of people. He saw James and John, hey, drop your nets and leave your father. I'm, I'm glad that Zebedee was a good guy. And he just left his father, and they came and followed Jesus. And so when I'm thinking about that passage of Scripture, that, that single line that, that Jesus says, come and follow me. Hear that? Come and follow me. And the disciples did what? They dropped their nets and they followed Jesus. And I think about that word follow. What, that word follow, is that, that's an action word. You can't follow and, and, and sit still. You can't follow and just think, you know what, I'm going to follow and I'm just going to make myself really, really comfortable and just sit here. No, if, to follow means that you're going to come, you're going to be moving, you're going to be doing something with your mind to conform around that which your, your leader is leading you. You're going to begin to comply with the beliefs of that, of that leader. And you're going to start pursuing that which is really important for you. 
because you see that leader. You see Jesus saying, come and follow me. Now, here's what I would have done if I had been along the Sea of Galilee that day. Uh, I, I probably would have said, when Jesus asked the question, come follow me, uh, I, I probably would have said, how far? How long? What are going to be the benefits? And that's not where Jesus wants me to be. Jesus simply says, I want you to come and follow me, and I will make you fishers of people. So let me ask you a question. I just want you to think about this deep and hard right now, just for a moment. For those of you who have zoned out for a second, come back in for, for a second. I just want to ask you this question. How many of you in this room would be, uh, this is a rhetorical question, so don't do anything that I'm asking you to do. How many of you would say, I'm a Christian? And if I wanted you to raise your hands, a vast majority of people in this room would say, yes, I'm a Christian. But my follow-up question is this. Are you a Christian by choice or by chance? Did you decide to become a Christian uh, other than, rather than a Hindu or a Muslim or a Jew or any of the other world religions? Did you decide, did you choose to become a Christian or did you do it by chance, meaning uh, that uh, you grew up in a home in which your mother and father uh, or, or someone in your family uh, took you to church and took you to children's ministry and took you to the youth group and, and you just, you just kind of came up that way. And, and I would say that you came into the church, into faith, by chance, not by choice. Now, here's the clarifying, qualifying question I want to ask you. I've asked you, how many of you are Christians? How many of you are disciples of Jesus Christ? Not a Christian just by name. But that you decide uh, that wherever God leads you, you just finished singing this, that wherever God leads you, you will follow. That wherever God uh, wants you to be in ministry, you, you will go. That you will develop a personal living relationship with Jesus Christ. So here's the turning point. The turning point, you might want to write this down. This is, this is the best line I have for you today. If you don't have a pen, prick your finger, bleed, and write. <laughs> this is the best line I have for you. The, the turning point in your faith, the turning point in life, is when we stop inventing the God we want and start following the God who is. The turning point in life is when we stop inventing the God we want and start following the God who is. See, I, I, I can invent God. That's not a problem for me. I can invent God uh, to do the things that I want God to do. You and I do the same thing. Because what happens is it's easier to have the God that I can create. 
rather than the God who is. So here's what I want to help you do. I want to help you move from your head to your heart and then to bring those two together. In the United Methodist Church, we believe uh, that you do not check your brains at the door and you are just to accept everything we tell you. That's not, a, that's not who we are. We believe uh, that we are called to be in dialogue and conversation and debate together. So here's what, here's what we know. We know in the Apostles' Creed, it says, I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. I believe in the Holy Spirit. I believe in the forgiveness of sins. I believe in the life everlasting. That's my head knowledge. I want to move it to my heart. I want to be able to say, God, I want to go where you want me to go. God, I want to follow you. I want you to lead me. I want you to just uh, push me out of my comfort zone. I want you to be there so I'm not just a Christian in name, but I am a fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ. That's what I want. And I simply want you to know that it's not good enough just to put your backsides in the pew here at Cypress Lake United Methodist Church. What would happen? What would happen in this church? What would happen in our community if we, this church, and we, the other United Methodist churches, and we, the other Christian churches in our community, if we partner with our Jewish brothers and sisters and our, and our Muslim brothers and sisters, if we decide that we are going to study the Scriptures together, what would happen? What would happen if you and I decided that we are going to learn how to pray? You know, maybe, maybe it would be a good idea for us to learn how to pray like the Muslims pray. How many times do they pray? Five times a day. Or the Jews, a minimum of three times a day. Christians, whenever we feel like it. What would happen if you and I decided that we're going to learn how to pray? What would happen if you and I decided that we are going to truly explore what our spiritual gifts are? That, those things that God has planted within us, uh, that, that, that when we use them, uh, they, they glorify God. What would happen if you and I decided that we're going to be involved in a ministry that is far greater than our, what we can imagine today, but because God is in us and we are dependent upon God to be with us, we can do far great, greater things with God than we can by ourselves? What would happen? And that's what happens when we take our knowledge and we connect it to our heart and we bring them together and God says, be my disciple. Be a disciple. Don't just be a Christian. So I want to just simply ask you right now. Can you decide right now that you're tired of just being a Christian? Or maybe you want to say right now, you know what? This makes a little bit of sense to me. So I want to try to go and follow this Jesus char character. And what would happen if you decided to move from wherever you are right now into deciding, I want to be, I want to be a fully devoted follower of Christ and be a living disciple? Our church would be far different than it is today. Our community, because of our influence, will be greater. It's not good enough just to have knowledge, my friends. Not good enough. We have to take it, assimilate it, and live it as disciples of Jesus Christ. So let's pray. God, you are so great. 
You take us just as we are. And God, I pray that you will just continue to mold us, that we will just surrender to you. You will mold us and make us something new in your image, just as you called Simon and Andrew, James and John, just as you called them along the, the shoreline of the Sea of Galilee. Call us right now and allow us to feel your presence. We ask this in your name. Amen.